Um, why does Jesus give advice that we don't need? What kind of person would go in a, a special banquet and sit at the head of the table? None of us would do that. We don't need to be told, sit a bit lower to you know, make sure it's all worked out. Only if you were a massive egotist would you think it was a good idea. To, you know, we, 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 we're sensible people. The last thing we want to do is be embarrassed. So we would rather err on the side of just checking things out. So why is it here? Because people wouldn't have been any different in Jesus' day. I think it's because Jesus is pointing to what is a broken culture, things that are not working. You see, dinner parties of the first century were not as we have them today. A gathering of friends to be able to talk. A dinner party was a, pub, a sort of semi-public event in which the great and the good of the town and the village would gather together in right order in order to run the affairs of the town. They were sort of part council, local council meeting. They were part um, chamber of commerce, uh, part law enforcement gathering, and they would be in semi-public. And, and this, the first verse of this text tells us that people were, were watching what was going on. So you would look in and you would see all the, all the right people, all men, of course, as the way it should be, well, the way it was in the first century, of course, everything's changed now, hasn't it? So we don't have any problems with that at all. But they would all be sitting in their right place and you would be able to look in and go, oh, yes, everything's fine. Everything in the village is going to work well. Everything in the clan, in the, in the town, it's all going to be fine because everybody's in their right order. It's not supposed to be. But something's gone wrong here because people are moving in, the, in and sitting in the wrong place or they're not sure who's supposed to sit where. It's an anxiety-ridden scramble. There's massive inequalities in Jesus' time. And I mentioned this last week, those of you who, can, who were here and can remember back an entire week. Um, it, the, the, there were massive inequalities, in, in particularly in the northern part of, of Palestine where Jesus lived in Galilee. Um, Rome was moving in uh, in a bigger way. They were building huge cities and redeveloping cities. And, things, and there were big agribusinesses um, gobbling up the land of smaller people. And so there's, there's a whole level of uncertainty going on. And so Jesus says, you've got to be careful when you go into these meetings because we're representing, this represents the way things are. Things are a mess. Everything is changing. Nothing can be assumed. Doesn't that sound a bit like our cultural moment? Everything's changing. Nothing can be assumed. I heard a quote, a, a, text, a, a text, a statistic this morning um, when I was listening to a program that in 2000, the year 2000, 50% of people who married, married in a church service led by a Christian minister. In 2022, four out of five weddings that happened, happened outside of a church and without a Christian minister, so with a, a civil celebrant. It's a huge change in just 22 years. Everything is changing in our culture all the time. And Jesus is a critique of that. 
He critiques it in the next story, which we don't get to play with this time around in the lectionary, the story of the great banquet. You probably know the story. Jesus uh, tells the story of a man who runs a, holds a big banquet and he, goes, he says to his servants, go out and get the people who I've invited to come, the great and the good, the people who are supposed to be there. And they've all got lame excuses. Someone's bought a field and they have to go and look at it. Who buys a field without looking at it in the first place? You know, there's like, it's a lot of lame stuff going on. Oh, I just got married and I'm too busy and... What he's showing is another breakdown of culture. These are the people who are supposed to run the place. These are the people who are supposed to have responsibilities. These are the people who are supposed to volunteer for things and turn up. And they don't bother. They can't. We, we were talking about this the other evening. Um, I just have, lovely to have tea with Rob and Heather and, and other people in this congregation. And... Um, we were talking about how hard it is to find volunteers for things like Rotary, for things like Meals on Wheels, for things like the Corner Uniting Church. Our culture is sort of, what we're used to is falling to bits. So all of these people say, I can't come because I'm too busy looking after myself to look after us together as a community. What if our politicians stopped turning up to Parliament as Clive Palmer did for a long time? <laughs> as people criticised our former Prime Minister for doing just recently. We know that's... But these people are... This is what we're asking them to do. Surely they get paid to do it, but this is their responsibility. What if it all starts to fall apart? Well, Jesus says, maybe we're going to have to rethink all of this. What's Jesus' solution? Forget, forget who's supposed to be in which order. Why don't you just um, invite everybody? Why don't you just invite everybody in? Why don't you start with the lowest of the low? Why don't you start with the people who are the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, our text says. The same people, of course, that Jesus said he was sent to talk to and to bring liberation to in the very first visit to a synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we know how that goes because it's part of um, a mission statement here at the corner. And in the great banquet story, the story we don't get, but you can go home and read it, that's be your homework. Um, the man says, um, okay, if they won't come, go out into the streets. Now this is at night. So if you go out into the streets at night, who's there? Only the people who've got nowhere else to go. Only the people who have to um, drink in Victoria Square, or used to, now in the South Parklands, because they don't have anywhere else to go and drink. You go out to those people, because let's start there. Let's start with the ordinary people, the people who are really desperate, the people who, who in the middle of the night, who should be at their own home eating, have no home and no people to be with. Go out on the streets and find them. Why should we do this? Well, you know, we think it's because Jesus is a very good religious man and a good, well, we would call him a Christian. Of course, he wasn't. He was a Jew. But I think he's saying we need to do this because we are in a desperate situation. So desperate that a few chapters before, Jesus has to feed 5,000 people. He doesn't feed them because it just seemed like a nice thing to do. He feeds them because they're hungry. Things are in a desperate situation. 
And we, you know, I don't need to reel off to you all the desperate situations we're in if you're uh, um, somebody who doesn't have somewhere to live or you're paying rent and your rent is about to skyrocket. That's our experience at the moment. The cost of vegetables, we know how much that's impacting us and the people around us. Without inviting everybody in, we end up with gated communities, don't we? Where the rich have to silo themselves off because they're worried that the poor will somehow try and get what they have. That's the kind of world that Jesus is critiquing. And what happens, of course, when the poor get poorer and the rich get richer, that inequality leads to all kinds of pain and suffering. And in our history, we know it's led to revolution. Revolution, whenever it brings something good, as it sometimes does, you could still argue whether the French Revolution brought us anything good or not. That, and, the, and the French literally do argue about this all the time. It does create enormous amount of pain and bloodshed. So Jesus' solution is invite everyone. What if instead of inviting the elite, we treated everyone as if they were the elite? Then issues of who sits where just becomes nonsense. Because everyone belongs. And if you do this, Jesus says, you will be blessed. Well, who doesn't want to be blessed? I could do with a bit of that. I mean, I'm going to be blessed as soon as I walk out of here into the sunshine. And if I'm smart enough, I'll recognise I'm being blessed. If I'm grumpy and dumb, which of course I never am, but other people are, I'll walk out and just go, oh, it's a bit bright. But I'm going to be blessed in that moment when I walk. So who doesn't want to be blessed? You will be blessed, Jesus says, because they cannot repay you. Well, how is people not being able to repay you, which is the normal model of, a, of, a, of the dinner party of the time. The rich would, would invite each other and that was the way that you managed the, the, the affairs of the city or the town or the village. So how does them not repaying you bless you? Well, surely it's because we've broken the cycle of reciprocity. We've broken the cycle of you have to invite me and now you invited me and you, you brought out the medium quality wine so I'm going to invite you, but I shouldn't bring out the high quality wine because you didn't bring out the high. You know, you can see how you're getting a headache in the first 10 minutes of thinking about how we jock, jostle for, for, uh, for position. You'll be blessed because that'll all disappear. We've broken the cycle of reciprocity. We've broken, in, in fact, we didn't break it. God broke it long before. God broke it in the building of the earth as a welcome for everyone. The goodness of the earth that God made. God said it was good over and over again, just in case hearing it once doesn't remind us of the truth of it. And in the life that you've been given, and in the life that Jesus brings to the people of his day and that Christ brings to us now in the life of the church, that's why you'll be blessed. Because all of the building it up, pulling it down, figuring out where you are in the culture, figuring out who's on top, and all of that goes because you are welcomed. Nobody has to repay anybody because there's no repayment to be made because it's all been done. It's all, turns out, it's been a gift. Everything that we are and have has been a gift. 
You will be blessed because you can't, they cannot repay you. Oh, well, you will be repaid. And I hear I think Jesus is being a bit sort of tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yes, if you really need to be repaid, if you really need for the good people to get their reward so that we can feel better than the bad people. Oh, yeah, okay. If you need to be you will be repaid at uh, the resurrection of the righteous. Well, who are the righteous? Somebody asked Jesus, I said to Jesus, Jesus, you're, you're the good teacher. And Jesus said, wait a minute, no one is good except God. Who are the righteous? Well, no one. Or, if Jesus is right, that it's all about welcoming everyone, then who are the righteous? Everyone. So you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's a, I think repaid is in inverted commas. You, yeah, you will. Look, if you just open yourself up to this, you will be welcomed. You are welcomed all the time. That's the story. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you, and yet you'll be repaid when, when the righteous are resurrected, when the righteous have new life. When do the righteous get new life? What time is it now? Now! At any moment. At every moment. And if you haven't received new life in this moment, it's not because it's not there. It's because you decided to close down and shut up and get small and sort of hold back. Because it's always, always there is an invitation. We're constantly being invited in to that new life. I think that's what Jesus is inviting us to. Because when he says invite the poor and the crippled and the lame, that's all of us, isn't it? Even those of us who manage to scrub up okay on a Sunday morning, we're still the blind and the crippled and the lame inside in so many ways. And we're all invited, which gives us the opportunity to be generous to others, which gives us a whole other cycle. It's not the cycle of reciprocity, who's in charge and who's not. It's the cycle of gratitude and joy. And when you're with a person who's full of gratitude and joy, it rubs off on you. You feel a little bit more gracious. I have a good friend who, I, I'm not the most gracious and, and a person full of gratitude most of the time. My friend always is. And even when we've, so recently, she, this week, she rang me up after we'd had a meeting together with a bunch of other people. It was a rotten meeting. It went really badly, I thought. All she did when she rang me up was to tell me all the good parts about the meeting because she was relentlessly full of hope and there, are, there were good things. And I realised in the end of the conversation that some of that had rubbed off on me. I was beginning to feel a little more gracious, a little more full of the gratitude of the fact that we had been together and we had done some good things. Sure, some of the things didn't work so well and we're going to have to meet again and sort this stuff out. But it rubbed off on me. And I think Jesus is inviting us to that too. All right, I'm going to have to stop there because it could go, this could keep going forever. And it should. But let's do it over morning tea. Let's say a prayer. God, thank you for the sun shining outside. Thank you for this text that invites us to get rid of all of the old stuff. 
let it go and live in gratitude and live in joy and live in the great gift that our lives are. May we do so with each other today and in our week ahead. Amen.